0: Hello, brethren. Brother Bob here again. In this podcast, I'm going to discuss the biblical concept and biblical importance behind the idea of becoming a new creature in Christ. However, before I get started, I just want everyone to know that I do not do these podcasts believing that I have arrived biblically or that I have biblical wisdom and insight far beyond anyone else. I also want to encourage my listeners with the fact that I, too, realize that I am not was, but am, a sinner saved through grace. Those words, sinner saved by grace, give most signs and wonders seeking believers trump arrangement syndrome. Brethren, I promise you that I do not share these podcasts believing that I am better than you. I may be biblically wiser and have more insight into God's truths than some of you. One would think that 40 plus years of studying the Bible will make any believer biblically wiser. But I know that in spite of having a deeper understanding of God's written word, I too am a man of unclean lips. The prophet Isaiah was a mighty speaker of God's truths, and yet he knew how sinful he was in the presence of the great I Am. It says in Isaiah 6.1, In the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings, With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called out to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds trembled at the voice of him who called. While the temple was filling with smoke, then I said, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. The Lord didn't avoid using Isaiah even though he was a sinner. Now even though the prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Nehemiah were most definitely sinners, they were also repentant sinners. And in the eyes of God, that makes all the difference in the world between a child of his just being a child of his and a child of his being a pleasing child. Brethren, I simply share what the Lord gives me to share. Sadly, biblically ignorant believers will most times accuse a biblically wise and mature believer of being puffed up or high and mighty instead of simply accepting them as believers who love and know the truths of scriptures. I'm not doing these podcasts to tickle anyone's ears. If you want your ears tickled, there are literally thousands of other unbiblical, worldly-based Christian podcasts out there that you can listen to. I believe that many of you out there in the church Have your spiritual noses stuck up in the air thinking that you are pleasing the Lord because you don't steal or murder or commit adultery and yet you don't realize that being unteachable or showing favoritism or adding or taking away from the truths of scriptures or worse yet ignoring being obedient to the commandments for the churches is just as sinful as being an adulterer or a sexual pervert or even a murderer. In these podcasts, I'm going to share what I believe the Lord wants me to share. As I walk and talk throughout the day with the Lord, the Lord puts the things that I believe that he wants me to share with his sheep into my mind. Lord knows that most of his shepherds have stopped teaching anything beyond basic Bible 1.0 with their sheep. That was the same issue the Lord had with the believers of Daniel's day. So God put his words and thoughts into the mouths of his chosen prophets and his chosen teachers in the Old Testament, for the sole purpose of shaming and rebuking his worldly mind, biblically ignorant, by choice, rebellious children. And Lord knows that the church today desperately needs more bold and faithful speakers of God's truths like Isaiah, Ezekiel, and Jeremiah. Let me get back on topic. A new creature in Christ. What does that ID even mean? Brother Bob, you're not trying to push some wacko evolutionary theory on us, are you? No, I'm not. When I say a new creature in Christ, I'm not talking about some evolutionary change that happens to a person when they get born again. I'm talking about a spiritual change. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16. Therefore, from, from now on we recognize no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him in this way no longer. Therefore, if any was it, anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creature. Old things pass away, behold, new things have come. The English word new, creature, the word creature in the original Greek means new creation. The English word creation is used in Galatians chapter 6, and it's exactly the same word that's used here for creature. So whether we use the word new creature in Christ or new creation in Christ, in the original Greek they mean the exact same thing, a new type of creation. To become a new person in Christ means something happens to you that makes you physically and spiritually different than you were before you believed the gospel of Christ. So right now I need to explain why all humans need to become a new or different type of creature or creation than the one they were when they were first born. So before I move on to my main topic, I need to explain the concept of what a lost person or a lost soul is and why they need to become a new or different person in Christ. From a biblical perspective, a lost person is someone who has no eternal hope. Metaphorically, a lost person is someone who has no true Bible-based spiritual guidance or direction in their life. So in all reality, a lost or unsaved person is someone who drifts aimlessly through this life while living in spiritual and or non-spiritual darkness, who's terrified of dying. A lost person is someone who is not sure about their spiritual being and or spiritual purpose for this life, or where they're going to go in the next life, or maybe even question if there is a next life for them. A lost or unsaved person has no real spiritual connection with the one true God of the Scriptures. And the reason for that disconnect from the God of the Scriptures is that lost people cannot establish a spiritual connection or relationship with the God of the Bible until they accept His Son, Yeshua Christ, as their Savior. The Bible tells us that unless a person accepts Christ as their Savior, they are literally, i.e., spiritually, cut off from the Lord. The Bible also tells us that even though lost people can be very religious, they are cut off from the Lord because of their lack of faith in accepting the gospel of Christ. You see, lost people are people who have either intentionally or unintentionally rejected God's Son as their Savior. And anyone who rejects God's Son as their Savior gets rejected by the Lord in eternity. 1 John 5, 12. He who has the Son has the life. He or she who does not have the Son, that means who does not believe in the Son, does not have life. That means the lost people have no hope of not only not going to heaven, but of ever having a personal understanding or personal relationship with the Creator God. Now on the surface, that does sound very harsh and unloving. So you may be wondering... Why does the good Lord allow this to happen to the people that he created and loves? Good question. Now, not to make this too complicated, but sin has separated the holy and just God of the scriptures from the very people he created. It wasn't always that way. You probably already know this story. God put the first people he created, sinless Adam and Eve, in a sinless paradise known as the Garden of Eden. Just imagine it. In the beginning, God creates a perfect, sinless Adam from the dirt of the earth. Yeah, the Creator God can do that, and easily. And then puts Adam into a beautiful, sinless paradise. And after a while, the Lord creates a perfect, sinless woman from the rib of Adam. Yes, God can do that. And places her in this beautiful, sinless paradise right next to Adam. The good Lord told Adam and Eve that you can do whatever you want to do in the Garden of Paradise except eat the fruit from this one specific tree. Well, we all know how that story ended. Both Adam and Eve disobeyed the Lord, which means they sinned against the Lord, and he kicked them out of paradise. And he put them in a new world full of pain, sorrow, and suffering. And this is all result of Adam and Eve disobeying the Lord. Now, I'm not going to go into all the details about how or why two sinless people like Adam and Eve had the ability to sin, But I will say that even though the Lord initially created both Adam and Eve as sinless beings, God never took away Adam and Eve's free will. God created Adam and Eve with sinless bodies, but he also created them with the human ability to choose to obey or disobey the Lord. And God did that because he did not want Adam and Eve to live their lives like pre-programmed Christian robots, who would serve the Lord not because they wanted to, but because they had no choice to, but because they were programmed to. And because Adam and Eve chose to sin, i.e. disobey the Lord, that's what sin is, disobeying the Lord, they severed or shattered the once perfect spiritual relationship they had with the Lord. That new world of pain, sorrow, and suffering were the consequences for Adam and Eve choosing to sin against God's commandment. The good Lord warned Adam and Eve that if they chose to disobey Him, which they did, they would die. Now, the Lord did not mean physically die. He meant spiritually die. So because Adam and Eve chose to sin, they went from being sinless humans, living in a perfect sinless paradise and having a close intimate relationship with the creator God to sin corrupted humans who were kicked out of paradise and who were now cut off from that once close and intimate relationship they had with the Lord. Because Adam and Eve chose to sin, they now had to live with a new rotten corrupt inner sin nature that not only personally pushes and prods them to do the wrong thing, they also had to go out and try to live in a world that was also corrupted as a result of their choosing to sin. Adam and Eve went from living in a sinless, predator-free, tick-and-mosquito-free, sickness-and-sorrow-free world into a world where nothing is easy and where there's lots of stuff that wants to kill you. Adam, all you had to do was stay away from one stinking tree, And all humans after you would have been born sinless and spent their whole lives living in a perfect, sinless world. Here's a little side note. Adam and I are going to have a long talk when I get to heaven. I could have spent my eternity living with a perfect body in a perfect paradise, spending my perfect days chasing my perfect, beautiful, naked wife around the garden. And the earthly consequences of Adam and Eve choosing to sin did not just affect Adam and Eve and the world that they were going to have to live in, It has affected all humans born after Adam and Eve. You see, every child born after Adam and Eve except Christ is born with a sin nature. Long story short, the best example of what this inherent inner sin nature that all humans have is like is easily seen in little children. You never have to teach a child how to be bad. Because all children are born with this inner sin nature, it's simply natural for a little child to be selfish and whiny and self-centered and disobedient. Just imagine it. If Adam had not sinned, all children would have been born with the natural desire to be obedient and kind and want to share their toys. Way to go, Adam. So this rottenness that all humans are born with is what Christians call a sin nature. That means that every human born after Adam and Eve are born with a part of their bodies, spirit and soul, corrupted. And this corrupt sin nature that we're all born with not only has physical consequences for all humans, there are also spiritual consequences. And the spiritual consequences is that all humans, in and of ourselves, can no longer have a perfect, sinless relationship with the holy and just God, or with each other for that matter. This inherent sin nature has separated us or cut us off from being able to have a sweet, sinless relationship with the Lord. Side note, I really believe that Adam and Eve did not have a clue that their disobedience to the Lord would have such serious sin and sorrow consequences for all those people who came after them. And just for the record, the Bible does tell us that all have sin. King David understood this concept completely. Psalm 51, against you and you alone I have sinned, Lord. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. I was born a sinner. For the moment, my mother conceived me. So that means because God is holy and just and can't really stand in the presence, or accept the fellowship of somebody who has sin. That means that all humans are cut off or separated, from any possible close personal relationship with the Lord, unless they get born again, or unless they become a new creature in Christ. Now, here's a little side note. I don't want to get sidetracked on this, but the Bible does teach that little children, babies. Until they get to an age of accountability, whatever that age is, the Lord knows, probably when they know right from wrong. Little babies and little children automatically go to heaven when they die. They do not; uh, they're not expected to accept to accept Christ as their Savior. Good Lord's not going to hold babies and little children accountable for something that they don't know about. So, any lost person would be considered to be a sinful creature or a sinful person in God's eyes. And the only remedy or solution for resolving that physical and spiritual separation between the Lord and a lost person is to become a new or different spiritual person in God's eyes. Now, I don't want you to think the Lord has created humans without any hope of ever restoring that once perfect relationship, like the one that Adam and Eve had with the Lord before they sinned. God has a way for us to re-establish that relationship. And this is where faith in Christ comes into play. When a lost or unsaved person truly accept Christ as your Savior, they get spiritually born again. It's a spiritual birth, not a physical birth. And they become a different person, i.e. a new creation, because of the supernatural events that take place in their sp- spiritual and physical mind and bodies. Yes, the supernatural event that takes place when a lost person accepts Christ as your Savior not only washes away their sins, It also changes how you think. Getting born again or saved literally and spiritually makes you a new creation or a new person in God's eyes. You are different than you were before you got born again. And that's where the idea of being a new or different kind of creation, i.e. a new person, than you were before you got born again is what the whole idea of being a new creature in Christ is all about. The power that is delivered when a person truly believes the gospel of Christ is a supernatural power from above that instantly makes you a different person than when you were unsaved or lost. Romans 1.16 For I am not ashamed of the good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Greek. When I got born again way back in January 1980, it was the real deal. I went from being a lost person who didn't really think about God or God-things through my daily life, to becoming a born-again person who suddenly and immediately realized my Creator God was my Heavenly Father. In January of 1980, I went from being a lost person who was only concerned what people thought of me on the horizontal level. You know, I looked around what I saw and what how people saw me was important. Well, I went from that to being a brand-new child of God who immediately realized that I needed to be looking upward when I did stuff, because, because that's where my Heavenly Father's throne is. When I got born again, I went from being a lost person who could care less about what the Bible said to a new believer in Christ who was excited and hungry to read the Scriptures. Now, the Lord did this. I didn't do this. This wasn't my choice. God changed me. Yeah, well, it was my choice to the point where I wanted to change, but God put this fire in me for truth of His Word. God put this fire in me to want to share my faith with lost people. I was a different person. I was excited. I was excited that God would hang on nails and die for me. And I knew other people needed to hear this message. I could go on and on and on with the supernatural changes that took place in my life once I was born again. Now I did an entire podcast sharing the testimony of the amazing and supernatural processes that were involved in me getting born again. Please check it out. And it's important to understand that it was the Lord who was changing my heart and mind about the God of the Scriptures. But nevertheless, even with that said, a change did take place. And that change is still going on 40 plus years later. It says in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 through 5, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world. Obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger and wrath, just like everyone else. But God is so rich in mercy. He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us new life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. Those words were written to brand new believers in the church of Ephesus, who came out of a world of paganism. They were lost people who had come to know the Lord. And Paul's reminding them that you used to be just like lost people. If it wasn't for the grace and mercy of what Christ did for us at Calvary, none of us would have any hope. Now I said all of this so far for a purpose. If you believe that you are a true believer in the gospel of Christ, there had to be a time when you first got saved, or when you first got born again, when you were changed. You had to have been different. Something had to change in you. If you truly believe that there was a point of time in your life when you trusted Christ as your Savior, that belief, if genuine and based on biblical truths about the salvation plan of Christ, had to change you. The Bible says that there's life-changing power that occurs when a lost person initially accepts Christ as your Savior. This supernatural life-changing power in the gospel of Christ does not happen when a lost person finds religion. This supernatural life-changing power in the gospel of Christ does not happen simply because a lost person begins believing in God. And this supernatural life-changing power in the gospel of Christ does not happen simply because a lost person person chooses to go to seminary school or even chooses to become a missionary. This world is full of so-called Christian religious missionaries who are not truly born again. Ironically, many people who find religion are changed but not saved. I know many people went from being a lost person to an even more lost person because they allowed themselves to be changed by religious doctrines instead of the free gift gospel of Christ. Christ warned about this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 22. Your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if that light that's in you is actually dark light, Oh, how deep that dark light is. This world is full of people who went from being a lost Catholic or even a lost Methodist to an even more lost Mormon or Jehovah's Witness. And lost people can even live and function in the true church of God for years before they get truly saved. There are thousands of testimonies of believers out there in Christendom who speak of spending sometimes years in a true Christian Bible church, not even realizing that they were never born again. And that's sad. Because a lot of Bible churches are not preaching the gospel anymore. A lot of Bible churches are avoiding teaching the harder things of God's word. A lot of Bible churches are really good at playing church and not good at pleasing God. I warned in Revelation chapter 3 verse 1 to the angel of the church of Sardis write this. He who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this. I know your deeds Sardis that you have a name on the building that makes it sound like you are spiritually alive but you are actually spiritually dead. Ouch! Satan does a great job of making a lost person seem like they're born again by putting them in a church that very seldom teaches biblical truth or very seldom shares the gospel of Christ from the pulpit. So how does a person differentiate between the person who thinks they are saved or born again and the person who truly is born again? Another good question. Well, from what I've already shared, it's quite obvious that we cannot make that determination solely by the fact that a person has changed, because as I've shared, there are many people out there whose lives were changed for the better by a religious experience that they went through. The plain and simple truth is that the only way to know for sure that the change that took place in a person's life was the work of God through the gospel of Christ and not a work of our flesh is to know what it is that changed that person's life. So you need to ask that person, what changed you? Was it a church sacrament? Was it a a religion you got involved in? Was it some kind of an emotional experience? Was it a dream you got in the middle of the night? Or was it the gospel of Christ that you believed and accepted? Again, it's important to realize that lost people can change or become different creatures through religious or emotional experiences and never truly get born again. It's important. So when I meet someone who tells me that they're born again, I always ask, And what did you do or believe to be or get born again? I want to hear what their gospel is. So if I want to narrow everything down to a single thing that I know truly and supernaturally changes a lost person, I need to hear the person I'm questioning give me their understanding and belief in what the biblical gospel of Christ is or what they think it is. Now, I have to say the biblical gospel of Christ because there are a lot of unbiblical gospels of Christ out there in Christendom. Worlds full of religions that have... Christ plus something in order to be saved. And anytime we add faith in Christ plus something to the gospel, you're not saved. I don't care what it is. Could be baptism, could be tongues, could be communion. There's a whole bunch of stuff out there that churches add to the message of the gospel of Christ in order for people to be saved. That's a false gospel. Now, I know there's a lot of church people out there that believe salvation comes through faith in Christ plus good works or plus partaking in some church sacraments, and they're very sincere. However, as I share quite often in my podcast, sincerity that's not coupled with biblical truth is simply religious gibberish. When I hear somebody tell me they're born again, and if I really love them, I want to make sure they're born again, so I ask them what gospel they believe in. What made them think or believe that they're going to go to heaven when they die? Tell me what it is in your life that guarantees you're going to go to heaven. And I ask people that question out of love because I want to make sure they got all their little dots lined up and they understand what the true gospel of salvation is. Brethren, I have family members and friends who have for years claimed to be born again, and yet they talk and walk and think no differently than they did before they supposedly got born again. I've seen people at church put on their born-again Sunday morning Yeshua smile then live the rest of the week as though they were not even children of God. Now, I want you to know that I do not let these supposed professing believers spiritually flounder around aimlessly i always try to get these type of never changed believers to discuss with me what gospel they believe in because if they truly believe in the right gospel of christ they must change they will have to change it's impossible not to change you're going to hear some people say well he just he had a dramatic change because he had a better conversion than somebody else no The power of the gospel is the same for everybody who believes. If you believe the gospel correctly, the same power that changed the person who had the mighty conversion is going to change everybody the same way. Brethren, it's impossible to go from being a lost person, somebody who is in spiritual darkness, has no hope, doesn't know where they're going to go when they die, to becoming a born-again believer, understanding they have hope, understanding your sins are paid for, understanding you're going to go to heaven someday, all that stuff is going to change you. And if you weren't changed, you're missing something in the gospel message that you believe. So let me help you out with a couple things here. Okay, brethren, the truths of the eternal saving gospel of Christ entail believing more about Christ than simply believing that he died for you. There are necessary things to believe about Christ and that's in his gospel in order to get born again. One of the things you need to understand in order to get born again is you must believe that Christ is God. Yeshua Christ is not just another God or a lesser God or a smaller God. He is the great I am Yahweh God of the Old Testament who left his eternal place in the heavens and came down to planet Earth to become a human being so that he could die for mankind's sins. Christ is all God and he's all human. You need to believe that number two in order to get born again you must believe that salvation comes through faith in the gospel of christ plus nothing anyone who believes that they need to do some kind of good works or good deeds or do some sacraments no matter how pious or righteous they sound plus believe in the gospel of christ to be saved is not saved do you understand me anyone who believes that they need to do some kind of church sacrament no matter how pious or righteous it might sound plus believe in the gospel of Christ in order to be saved is not saved. Salvation comes through Christ plus nothing. Number three about the salvation plan. In order to get born again, you must accept the fact that you are a hopeless sinner who could never ever be good enough to earn or merit a place in heaven. Brethren, only the blood of Christ can remove sins. This supernatural life-changing power in the gospel of Christ only happens when an unsaved, i.e. lost person, truly understands that they are hopelessly lost sinners and they see that faith in Christ's payment for their sins is the only way to be forgiven of those sins. None of us could ever be good enough to have our sins paid for. So again, if you do believe that you are a true believer in the gospel of Christ, There had to have been a time when you first got saved or born again, when you were changed. There had to have been an initial life-changing moment when you got born again, or you simply never got born again. You can't believe all the things that Christ has done for you and and not have it change you. You can't truly understand that you're now going to go to heaven and not hell without having it change you. You can't have the love of Christ, what he did for you at Calvary, You can't have that understanding in your mind and not have it change you. Now, again, I'm not talking about being perfectly changed. I'm simply saying that if you are truly born again, you will not be able to not change because that born again experience is a supernatural event directed and implemented by the Lord himself. Simply claiming to be born again does not supernaturally change you. However, there are a lot of people who believe that they have experienced the born-again conversion simply because they went through some emotional event like an altar call or they went to some emotionally driven Christian music concert. This world is full of people who believe that they are born-again believers simply because they recited some sinner's prayer. Brethren, lost people do not get saved or born again by simply reciting like a trained parrot words that mean nothing to the person reciting them. Now a person can initially be changed and then go back to the ways of the world. That happens. But still, when you initially got born again, you had to have a changed life. It had to be different. Now it's sad that people would go back to the world. When you have that understanding of what Christ has done for you and how your life has changed, it amazes me why anybody would want to go back. But the Bible is full of examples of believers who went back to the world For whatever sinful reasons, they walked away from the things of the Lord. That's a sad testimony, but it happens. In light of what I just shared, here's a little side note. In order to be blessed and rewarded in eternity, a believer's spiritual changes need to be maintained throughout the believer's lifetime. That means it's a continual progressive Sanctification process where you're continually growing in the things of the Lord, growing in your prayer life, growing in your study of the word, growing in your witnessing. Your, your life is changing. You're, you're becoming less like the world and more like Christ. It's a lifelong process. That's why God commands believers to not grow weary of doing good. We need to be faithful until we get to the other side. Now everyone listen to me carefully. Becoming a new spiritual creation, i.e. a different person through one's belief in the gospel of Christ, comes with some limitations, quote-unquote limitations, or better yet, complications. You see, becoming a new spiritual creature in Christ does not mean that your old sin nature goes away. Unfortunately, if you truly have gotten born again, you spiritually become a person living with a split personality, because you have both a new person through Christ's body in there, and an old sin nature body living together inside you. And contrary to what some biblically ignorant people try to tell you, becoming a new spiritual person in Christ does not mean that your old sin nature dies. In fact, a lot of the spiritual conflict issues that a new believer in Christ faces are the result of that inner spiritual battle between your new nature in Christ and your old sin nature that you inherited when you were born. Again, thanks a lot for nothing, Adam. Let me explain how our spiritual bodies work. First of all, let me say that all human beings were created with a triune body, just as God has a triune body. The Bible teaches us that humans were created in the likeness of God. We're not created just like God, we're created in His likeness. God has three parts a body, a soul, and a spirit. 1 Peter 1 2. God the Father knew and chose you long ago, and His Spirit has made you holy. As a result, you have obeyed him and have cleansed and were cleansed by the blood of Yeshua Christ. And all humans have three parts, a flesh, a spirit, and a soul. First Thessalonians 523. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely and may your spirit and your soul and your body be preserved complete without blame at the coming of our Lord Yeshua Christ. Our sinful flesh is the suitcase for our soul and spirit. Our flesh is that part of the body that controls and operates all those pieces and parts that make up our physical body. Our invisible spirit is that part of our human triune body that the Lord uses to try to reach and teach us. And the soul is a part of our spiritual body, which ultimately makes the decision on which way our flesh and our spirit are going to go. Here's a side note. Don't let anyone try to tell you that it's crazy for a person to talk to themselves. There's three of you in there. You should talk to yourself. Not only is it okay to talk to yourself, you were created to do just that. So when you hear voices in your mind, it's quite possible that it's the inner discussion that the three parts of your triune body are having as they work things out. Let me give you an example how our triune body works. At 6 a.m. when the alarm clock goes off, you suddenly wake up from your nonsensical world of dreams and weird stuff to the blowing sound of that blasted alarm clock. Now, the spirit part of your triune body starts to talk to your soul and says something like, hey, Brother Bob, you need to get up. You've got bills to pay and a family to take care of. But suddenly, the fleshly sinful part of your triune body says something like, hey, don't get up. The bed is so comfortable and warm. Just call in sick. Enjoy the day. But the spirit part jumps back in and says something like, now, Brother Bob, you know that you're not sick. It would not be right to call in Sick if you're not really sick. Anyways, you know you have an important meeting today and there's people at work who are counting on you. Then that rotten flesh once again tries to persuade you to be lazy and reminds you that those people at work who are counting on you don't really care about you, so why should you care about them? Now this mind discussion between your spirit and flesh will go on as long as you let it go on. In the end, it boils down to the inner battle between our spirit and our flesh. Whoever is the strongest or more powerful of the true the soul will obey. So if you are a believer who enjoys spending most of their time enjoying the ways and things of this world, your soul will direct you towards the ways of the flesh. On the other hand, if you are a believer who has chosen to strive to do those things which please the Lord, your soul will lead you to go and do righteous things. And this spiritual battle between our spirit and our sinful flesh goes on all the times, every day in our earthly lives. Again, if you I don't want to read it now, but if you go through Roman chapter 7, I'll bring it up later. But read about this. Paul brings up this daily battle that he has between his sinful flesh and his righteous spirit. It's a constant battle he has. Now you're going to get some morons who are going to tell you that Roman chapter 7 was Paul before he was a believer. That's just an absolute lie. Paul is talking, in the, he knows Greek, he's a real smart guy. Paul is speaking in the present Greek tense, not the past. He's not saying, I used to do this. He says, I am doing it. So he's talking about his daily life. He's got the same struggles that you and I have. And even as we get stronger and stronger in the spirit, we always need to be aware that we're always just one step or thought away from going in an unrighteous direction. So we need to be careful that we don't get arrogant or comfortable in our strong walk of faith. 1 Corinthians 10, 12, Therefore let him or her who thinks they stand take heed lest they fall. Now, I don't want to make this too complicated, and because the detailed topic about how our triune body works would take up an entire podcast, for now you'll have to trust me with the generalized info that I just gave you explaining how our human triune body works. So let me ask a question again. If you believe that you were born again sometime in your life, was your life and your mind and your spiritual thought process immediately changed to a point when you supposedly got born again? This question is important. I believe that from what the Bible teaches, a person who claims to be born again never truly was born again unless this spiritual change took place in their life. The Bible tells us that true conversion will change you. A true faith, belief, and understanding of the gospel will change you. Again, now it's not going to change you perfectly. But if you find yourself continually going to some Sunday morning or Friday night altar call seeking a change changed life, stop doing that. Okay, just make up your mind to serve the Lord and when you stumble and bumble, repent. Keep moving forward, and keep getting up over and over again. It'll get easier to get up. It'll it'll be harder to sin. You're gonna learn to sin less, brethren. Don't wait till Sunday morning to to go to some altar call or some Friday night to change. This should be a 24/7 thing. Again, I'm gonna share some stuff with you, and you might you're never gonna hear this. Most pastors aren't gonna teach you this, so just pay attention, okay? God knows you will sin. You were you understand that? God knows that you will sin all the days of your earthly life. You understand that? God knows that you are going to disobey him a lot. God even knows that you're going to openly sin knowing that he's watching you. Again, I'm not saying sin's okay, and God's not saying sin's okay. We need to deal with it. I'll talk about that shortly. But you are going to stumble and fall. We're corrupted. Our bodies are corrupted. Do not. I say do not think that for one moment that there will be a day in this this side of heaven, when you'll stop sinning. Don't even go there. Please accept the fact that even on your best spiritual day, you will still sin. Please accept that. What our Heavenly Father is looking for is faithful children, not perfect children. Our Heavenly Father is looking for children with repentant hearts, who when they sin, they deal with it through confession and repentance, and then keep moving forward spiritually. Too many Christians are defeated by their sin. Don't get the, just deal with it. The Lord knows you're going to sin. Many a believer has been spiritually defeated by their sin because they were told by some idiot church leader who didn't know their scriptures that a true child of God would not struggle with the daily grind of sin. That's a lie from the devil. I've been a believer for over 40 years and I know that I have matured to the point of sinning less than I did when I first got saved. However, even after being a believer for 40 years, I'm always just one glimpse or one thought away from sinning. Again, read Romans chapter 7, verses 14 through 22. It's really encouraging. It's the everyday struggle and the battle that Paul has between his sinful flesh and his spirit. And the Apostle Paul wrote that many, many years after he had become a believer. Now, ultimately, only the Lord knows truly who is and who is not his child. But even with that said, if there was and is no permanent supernatural spiritual change in your spiritual life, I challenge you to examine What you think the gospel of Christ is and make sure you are not missing or misunderstanding some very important parts of the life-changing gospel of Christ Ephesians chapter 4 verse 17 through 24 with the Lord's authority I say this live no longer as the lost do for they are hopelessly confused their minds are full of darkness they wander far from the life of God because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against him they have no sense of shame They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Yeshua and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Brethren, putting on our new nature is a choice we must make. We can choose to walk in the flesh, or we can choose to walk in a Spirit. God doesn't make us do either one. We have to choose to strive to walk in a manner worthy of our Savior. And please, please, please understand that walking in a manner that pleases our Savior does not involve stopping of sin. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, so encouraging. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that weighs us down, especially the sin which so easily trips us up. You see that? Which so easily trips us up. Walking with the Lord just involves a genuine repentant attitude when we sin. I share these things with the church because I know that there are many in the church who are not truly born again. And I know that because of not only how these so-called believers speak about what they think biblical truth is, but also because I see them year after year And I never see any biblical changes in their lives, in their thought process, or in their Christian walk. Brethren, it's impossible to be living as a born-again believer, walking with the Lord without there being a change. Just as it's impossible to truly be born again without being initially changed. Now again, a true born-again believer can choose to walk away from the faith. However, if they truly had the right faith to begin with when they first got born again, they would have been changed. If you are a professing born-again believer and you find yourself year after year that you can't get off a mommy's milk of God's word, you should go back to the beginning of your supposed salvation and make sure that you are not missing a piece of the life-changing supernatural power that's found in believing the true free gift salvation gospel of Christ. Your friend in Christ, Brother Bob. 2 Corinthians 13.5 Examine yourselves to see your faith is genuine. Test yourselves. Surely you know that Yeshua Christ is among you. If not, you have failed the test of a genuine faith.